0: There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.
2: Hello and welcome to the brand new episode of the Eurotrip podcast. Thank you so much for listening especially as this week we have a very special episode for you because, of course, it is the Junior Eurovision Song Contest at the end of this week. After all this time, we finally have a Eurovision show to look forward to. It's not Eurovision Shine a Light. It's an actual singing
3: competition. And, James, I can tell by your face already, you're very excited. Oh so yeah! This, believe it or not, is my first ever Junior Eurovision Song Contest that I'm going to be watching live. So it's really exciting for me. It's really exciting for us on the podcast because we've shaken things up a little bit. It's a Junior Eurovision special. We've got loads of new stuff to come along the way. But don't you worry, Rob. It doesn't mean I have neglected to write you a Eurovision haiku. Can I just say that you've hijacked the podcast? There was
2: never a discussion had that we would have a haiku. <laughs> At the start of every
3: single episode, but yet here we are with a third haiku from you in three weeks. We had one of our best episodes ever last week, and that was clearly because people knew we were going to have Eurovision Poetry Corner. So we're going to do it once again, and for this week I have, of course, written a junior Eurovision special haiku. Are you ready? I mean, I guess I'm going to have to be, aren't I? Here we are. Go on. Eurovision's back. This week, we can celebrate... But without, take it away. Yonala would be proud, I'm sure.
0: Let the dance macabre begin. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening
1: and a very
4: warm welcome.
1: I know the only one show in the world that combines it all singing music dancing traditional and ethnic styles it's massive it's twice the super bowl it's like 200 million people when we reach the end of the show in approximately
0: three to eight hours we will have a new champion now let's get to it are you ready to party europe it is easy what I say
1: what i say
3: this is the euro trip Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, your favourite Eurovision podcast with me, James. Me, Rob. And this week we're joined by Junior Eurovision winner, Ralph Mackenbach. That's right, the first ever Junior Eurovision contestant we have had on the
2: podcast. Every week we bring you these massive interviews and this week, because it is Junior Eurovision week, we bring you the winner of Junior Eurovision 2009. James, I'm absolutely buzzing this week because... It's Junior Eurovision Week, which means
3: every chance I get, I'm going to be mentioning that M-word. You know it. Minsk. Oh, here we go again. Every single week on the podcast, Rob talks about his wonderful trip to Belarus two years ago. And, of course, it's the Junior Eurovision Special of the Trip, so... At any opportunity he's going to want to talk about it but what i want to talk about is all the amazing stuff we've got coming up for you over the course of this episode including of course that massive interview with ralph mackenbach he's going to be telling us all sorts of his eurovision adventure that was 11 years ago and i asked him why he as a 13 year old boy wanted to take part in junior eurovision in the first place junior eurovision just seemed like
4: a fun opportunity to hone my skills learn something about uh, the media and learn more about singing and dancing. I mean, I can talk about it eloquently now. Back then, I think I would have said, I just want to do it.
2: And the other thing with Ralph as well, you are not going to believe what job he does now. It's a world away from music, so make sure you stay tuned for that one. We have got so much for you to look forward to this week because it is our Junior Eurovision special. We are going to tell you why you should care, why you should watch the show on Sunday night. And we are also going to be joined by the brilliant Eurovision hub team. You may have seen their reaction videos, their interviews over on YouTube. So they're going to be helping us decide and predict
3: who is going to win Junior Eurovision 2020. That's right. All that and more to come. You're listening on Acast, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Euro Trip
5: eurovision we've got it covered
3: this is
2: episode 17 of the Eurotrip thank you very much to all of you that have been with us every single week if you're a new listener thank you so much for listening and don't forget we are always there on at Eurotrip podcast on twitter on instagram as well and we would love to hear from you now, this is the part of the podcast, after we've had our fun little load now there, where we love to give you a bite-sized chunk of the world of Eurovision news and what you can expect to come in the next few days. But obviously, as we've mentioned several times already, it's Junior Eurovision Week. So that's the news, really, isn't it? The Eurovision world, the adult Eurovision world, is on pause, at least for the next seven days, while the eyes of the fandom are on Warsaw in Poland for Junior Eurovision. And you may be in the same position
3: that James is because, James, you've mentioned this before, this is your first Junior Eurovision. It is. I've been aware of it for many years, of course, but I've never actually sat down on that Sunday evening like I would with Adult Eurovision in May and sat down and watched it. So for me, this is actually the first time I'm going to watch it live. I've followed all the song releases. I know what all the songs are. I've got my favorites, just like every other fan out there. But I've been trying to find a reason to watch it because there'll be other fans out there in the same position of me as where they've watched the adult contest, they've followed national final season before, but they've never quite understood the hype of Junior Eurovision. So we found ourselves a couple of people who know exactly why we should be watching Junior Eurovision. I'm gonna kick off with somebody who has been to Junior Eurovision twice. Uh, They've recently been re-watching every Junior Eurovision Song Contest and sharing their thoughts on Twitter. I am talking about Emily Herbert. She is a writer at Eurovois. She's got a massive following on Twitter as well. So she really does know what she's talking about. Let's head over to her and find out exactly why we should be watching Junior Eurovision this Sunday.
5: The Junior Eurovision Song Contest, it's just a mini contest. And I think not a lot of people realise that. People put off of it because it's like, why would I want to watch kids performing? You know, they might find it a bit weird or they might just think, right, it's not, it's not for me. But you find that, yes, while some of the songs are like childish, shall we say, you know, fitted to the age group, a lot of them are... You know, you can get power ballads, you could get, you know, songs that you could even hear at the adult contest.
3: Now, in 2020, under lockdown, people have been doing all sorts of things. One thing you've decided to do early in the year, you decided to watch every edition of Eurovision. And over the past month, you've decided to watch every edition of Junior Eurovision. What on earth has this been like?
5: It's been really fun, actually. Like, I've really enjoyed it. The main reason I did it was just to sort of get myself back into it a little bit because obviously during lockdown and the whole everything that's going on at the moment, it was sad that the actual contest was not happening this year. So in the first lockdown, I decided to um, rewatch all of the Eurovision Song Contests from 1956 onwards, and that that was a mammoth task. But with this one with Junior, it's been a lot easier because the contests are shorter. And I just thought, I'm just going to get back into this a little bit more and, you know, get myself hyped up for this contest.
3: And you've been tweeting about it along the way. I've had a look at your Twitter thread about all of your thoughts about each year. You said 2004 was one of the strongest, 2007 was full of bops and 2014 seemed to be, from your tweets, to be one of your favourites as well. What have I been missing out on?
5: everything <laughs> for me 2014 that's one of my favorites because it was one of the first ones that i watched i started watching them live in 2013 um which 2013 is it is a good year but i think it's a smaller one and it's probably not like the best one to start on but 2014 it was the first time Malta hosted. it was massive um it just had such good songs it was just fantastic i loved that one um and then there's just some really good years that it just has such good songs. And I just can't even describe. It is just like a mini Eurovision.
3: And you haven't just watched though, have you? You haven't just watched because you've also attended Junior a couple of times, 2016 and 2019. What's it like to be in the arena? Because you've been in the arena for Eurovision as well itself in 2018. What's it like for Junior?
5: Um, so the first time that I went was 2016. Um, So I'd say for my first one, it was really enjoyable. It was really, really fun. It still had all of the spirit of the contest. Um, A lot of the performance were fantastic. But then when I went in 2019 and we went uh, to Poland, that was absolutely mental. So it was the first time Poland's hosted before, after winning in 2018, and they held it in a massive arena. Um, I think the capacity was something like, don't quote me on this, but I think it's something like 20,000 people. Um, A lot of people coming out to support Poland. Um, And I cannot describe to you the moment when Poland won again, and all of the Polish people and all of the international audience just went absolutely mental. They were screaming, cheering, and like I nearly burst my eardrums but it was so it just gave me goosebumps it was amazing and I'd say that um you know there is a lot of love for the Junior Eurovision Song Contest even if a lot of people have not heard of it before um a lot of fans will still go to places you know they'll they'll go to Belarus when it was 2018 and uh, Georgia in 2017 and you know all these different places no matter where it is people will always go and see it
3: here is the question that you were probably expecting all along. Who on earth is going to win junior Eurovision on Sunday?
5: Oh, it is such a difficult question because I do think there are quite a lot of uh, of good ones. My personal favourite would probably be Belarus. Um, I'd say France, also really good. Spain are fan favourites as well. I also think Poland will do well. So, you know, it's, it's anybody's game really. I've named nearly all of them there. I know there were only 12 <laughs> in the contest, but you know, there, there are a lot of, uh, of good ones this year. So we'll just have to wait and see.
2: So James, from your chat with Emily, are you inspired that little bit more? And are you feeling justified in your decision
3: to watch Junior Eurovision on Sunday afternoon? Yeah, absolutely. I think as well, I've missed out over the last 20 years because there seems to have been so much that has happened at Junior Eurovision since 2003. But as Emily said there, she named Four countries that could potentially win. And as she says, we will just have to wait and see what happens at the contest on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, talking about hedging your bets, that was ridiculous. <laughs> when I heard it was your first contest
2: and was trying to work out how to make sure that you were definitely going to watch on Sunday, I too thought, I know the perfect man for this. Now, you've heard him before on the podcast. It's Richard Taylor from Eurovision Island, And he is a man that has gone to, I'm going to say, more junior Eurovisions than anybody else. So I caught up with him earlier. Just have a listen to how many previous contests that man has been to.
6: Right, I first went in 2014 to Marse in Malta, which was the shipyard building. Then went to Sevilla in 2015 in Bulgaria. Again, Valletta in 2016. Tbilisi in 2017. Minsk in 2018. And finally, last year, Glowice in Poland. So
2: you've been to every Junior division Song Contest since... 2014. Can you just talk us through some of your memories from some of those cities you've been to? You, you mentioned to me just before we started recording, there was a wonderful incident involving a graveyard in Tbilisi.
6: To get to this place, we had to get the underground first, and I hate underground, especially in Eastern Europe, because yeah, that's that's just another whole story. But then we got off at the underground. And it was this. The arena was meant to be right there. Well, no, it wasn't. So We've got, you know, maps out on the phones like you do. And then we got to a graveyard. Well, you've never seen anything so steep in your life. You know, there's various grave plots that I could have easily been buried in because I was a nervous wreck.
2: What's what's the best city you've been to? What's the best contest you've been to in all your years? It's difficult to choose because they're all so different.
6: It is difficult to choose. I think La latter years with both having Ireland and Wales there, that's made it more of a something to look forward to, certainly for us British fans.
2: What is it about Junior Eurovision? You know, if somebody is listening to this podcast and they have never watched it before, you know, they've, they've never come across a Junior Eurovision song before, what is it about the contest? Why should, you, why should somebody watch and why do you love it so much? I think you've got to get out of your mind straight away it's a kiddies
6: contest think back in 2003 when it first started yes you'd probably portray it as a kiddie contest but not anymore you know they young adults and I think the perception western Europe is yeah it's a children's show but in eastern Europe song contests for like children and young adults are such a big thing and maybe it's a nice way if you don't know Eurovision maybe it's a nice way of easing yourself in for the main contest in May
2: And what about the music itself? Do we think the quality of the music and the quality of the songs has improved as well? Oh, certainly
6: over time. When I first went in 2014, I would say even though there was two or three good quality songs then, the standard has raised over the six years. And I think other people you'd speak to would agree with that. And now... You sometimes sit there and the press centre and think, actually, are we watching junior or adult Eurovision?
2: When me and you were in the arena in Minsk in 2018, I used to come up to you and go, Richard, who's going to win? So two years later, 2020, Richard, who's going to win junior Eurovision 2020?
6: At first, I would have said the Netherlands. And the reason why behind this is they're the only group in the competition. So that could prove them well, like Vincenzo in Malta 2014, because he was the only male. The rest were female. So the Netherlands have got a chance there. But I also think Georgia
3: could be there as well. And that would make it their fourth win. Well, Richard seems to have a very unique taste in songs for junior Eurovision this year. He is, I think, the first person I've heard who said Georgia might win on Sunday. Do you agree? Yeah, I I don't think I've heard anyone else say that. He's
2: right in saying that it would be historic if Georgia did win. It would mean that they had won Junior Eurovision four times. So definitely reinforcing their position as Junior Eurovision's most successful country. Incidentally, moi, me over here, wrote
3: an article on eurovoire.com, the most successful countries in the Junior Eurovision Song Contest. Check you out. When you started to talk about yourself, I just thought you were going to say Belarus Day. So forgive me. That's why I just said... No, James, I'm pleased you've yourself. mentioned
2: Belarus. And it was lovely for me and Richard there to reminisce over the week we had in the Belarusian capital. But uh, no, don't worry. I There's, there's plenty of junior Eurovision chat on previous podcasts about my time in Minsk. If you want to listen back to some previous episodes... But the Netherlands, let's not forget as well, also mentioned by Richard. And there is an interview with Unity, the girls from the Netherlands, over on Eurovois' official YouTube channel. So make sure you check that out too. But we've heard from Emily. We've heard from Richard. You're going to watch on Sunday? Of course I will. Of course I'll watch it.
4: This is the Eurotrip.
2: When you aren't listening, you can find us on social
3: media.
4: We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest.
3: So you are listening to the Eurotrip, and this is our junior Eurovision special with just a few more days to go until the big event on Sunday afternoon. We're dead excited for it. We simply cannot wait to see what it looks like on Sunday. But right now it is time for the first part of this week's big interview and this week we are speaking to our first ever junior eurovision participant yes we are ralph machenbach who now he didn't know this at the time of
2: us doing the interview is my favorite junior eurovision winner and you didn't actually pluck up the courage to tell him that did you I just was embarrassed that I was going to fangirl in front of him, to be honest. And it could have easily happened because, and now this is acceptable to say, 11 years on from his win in 2009, he's he's flourished, hasn't he? He's a very attractive man, James.
3: <laughs> and you didn't tell him that either, did you?
2: I didn't tell him that either. But if he's <laughs> listening to the podcast, Ralph, you're welcome. Uh, the <laughs> Netherlands, though, have got a very interesting history when it comes to junior Eurovision. Them and Belarus are the only countries that have taken part in every single junior Eurovision since 2003 but despite that despite them being
3: there every single year only the one win and that was your friend of mine Ralph yeah you're absolutely right they've gone through a bit of a roller coaster period haven't they since the debut in 2003 with just that one win in 2009 with Ralph so I asked him what it was about junior Eurovision that the Dutch love so much
4: I think it's a bit of a notion that a lot of people grew up with it here I remember watching it when I was younger still than I was when I was participating and you just, yeah, you just kind of grow up with it and you see all these people competing in it. Uh, the music is played very often at uh, like kids parties uh, and whatnot and uh, kids radio stations. So I think there's just a, a steady culture around it, which really uh, has made it steadfast in, uh, uh, in the Netherlands. What was it for you
3: that first got you interested in Eurovision? Because I think it's fair to say that while you were growing up, the Netherlands wasn't at its height of success, you know, it was having a little bit of a difficult period. So what was it that actually got you involved?
4: Well, I'd always been interested in um, entertainment, so singing, dancing, uh, acting. And uh, I had garnered a bit of experience in it uh, by uh, doing musicals and junior Eurovision just Uh, or junior uh, national uh, the national contest just seemed like a a fun opportunity to hone my skills learn something about uh, the media and learn more about singing and dancing and I mean I can talk about it eloquently now back then I think I would have said I just want to do it
2: well that's I mean that's the amazing thing about especially junior Eurovision is that that you guys when you do it you're so young but there's so much pressure so I mean what was it like is it almost that that you're so so young you, you almost don't understand the enormity of it and how big it is
4: yeah I think that's part of it um, it, it seems maybe that's also a bit of the attractive attractiveness of uh, junior vision here. It seems very homey in some way uh, there's a lot of people watching it it has a lot of grandeur about it um, but still it feels like a small setting somehow and I think that's also partly due to how um, the, Uh, broadcasting companies make the show. Um, So I did not really get that pressure and I should also really give credits to um, the teams who work on these shows who make sure that the people who are competing get adequate uh, care and they're uh, uh, looked at uh, uh, enough. I mean it is a, a slightly surreal experience in the fact that uh, especially Eurovision indeed you get shipped out to another country uh, and you're put in this hotel with a bunch of other uh, competing countries so yeah you, you do get a bit of that bubble feel but if I'd say it's more akin to something like going to uh, like a high school camp or something you know there's a lot of people your age you can uh, chat with them a lot uh, and it's mostly just about having fun and in my experience like the competitive element of of course, it was there, but it wasn't like the dominant factor.
2: Uh, if we can talk about the, the song, that was a song that you wrote yourself. So, how easy was it to write the song? When you sat down, was it one that it came to you all in one go, or did you have a few goes at writing it? What was the process
4: like? Well, the main thing was that I really liked tap dancing. Uh, so, this taking you back to my thought process here. I really liked tap dancing, and I, like a bit of a rough sketch. Um, But the format that you guys know it in, uh, I think uh, a big part of like what makes the songs as well as the fact that uh, during competition you get coupled to a a producer, in uh, my case it was uh, Giet Oosterhuis, a producer here in the Netherlands, and he really vamped it up.
3: Looking at the, the staging from back in 2009, uh, I believe you do doing break dancing, you were doing front flips. I mean, was this all your idea? Or was it, you know, did you just want to get as much energy out there on stage as <laughs> good?
4: I did want it to be a showy thing is what I recall. So it, it had to be a lot of stuff happening. And oh, there's a front flip and there's a backspin. Christ, who knows what else? Um, but part of the choreography came from uh, uh, a dancing school in Amsterdam called Lucia Martos, uh, they, they also had a, a, a big contribution in how all of this was uh, made. So I, I think that's like one of the main takeaways as well. Uh, it's much more of a team effort uh, than um, uh, people think because of course like the people, the, the person singing the song gets put front stage and um, usually gets a lot of credit uh, thrown to them. But um, I think for most every act, there's like a team of so many people behind them who uh, contribute so much as well.
2: You talked about the team there. Did, did you and the team realize at the time, you know, we could be onto a winner here. This, this could be a song that's gonna do really, really well.
4: The team might have, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I, myself, I, I did not at all realize it, like even up until uh, like the last votes came in or something. I was just sitting in the green room having fun with uh, my friends. Um, And then like the final points came and I'm like, oh, dang, there's something going on here. Um, So, yeah, it was was not at all uh, something I had even considered.
3: You mentioned there, you know, when all the points are coming in and, you know, you seem to get more excited, more excited. But you actually receive points from every other competing country. You must look back at that and think, oh, God, you know, we really did do a good thing there. I, I must be really proud of that.
4: Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tradition mostly for uh, my mom and dad to go back and watch uh, it every now and then. Um, because also for them, it was like a very surreal experience. But yeah, I am, I am quite proud of like what all of us uh, achieved there. We had a lot of fun and something really good came out of it.
2: We, me and James have been lucky enough to, to speak to, you know, a huge host of, of great names that have, have taken part in, in Eurovision and, and now junior Eurovision as well. And a, a lot of them say that the, the best thing about doing it is that you are then part of the family even many years, decades after you have have competed. And and have, have you found that's the case? You know, people are still obviously interested in, in your life, in your career, even now eleven years after you did junior Eurovision.
4: Yeah, yeah. They're that will always be like one of the um uh, like it, it will be one of the hallmarks of you like oh he's the guy who participated in junior eurovision and i i do like it i think it's uh, it's fun it's like yeah you, you get to live a bit off of that, that legacy I, I don't want to be defined by that legacy if that makes sense some people really want to be steadfast and i've been the winner and this is who i am for me it's more of a like, I'm really proud of what we achieved there, but I also like to just go forward and do new things.
2: So that was the first part of our chat with junior Eurovision 2009 winner, Ralph Mackenbach, and part two, of course, as ever, on the way shortly. But James, thought it was really interesting what he said there about not wanting to be defined by Eurovision, because it is a thing that we see time and time again, isn't it? That an act does, maybe junior Eurovision or adult Eurovision, and then that is them. That is what they're known for, and... It's interesting that he has gone, as you will hear in part two, completely away from that
3: and as far away from junior Eurovision as you could probably possibly get, which you'll hear later. No, you're absolutely right. And I think one of the main things to take away from that is he still does have a love for Eurovision and for the whole adventure that he had. It's not that he dislikes it, why he doesn't want to be defined by it. It's just because he knows that that was one part of his life and now he's moved on to as we will hear later, something totally, totally different. So he did love it. And there's some fantastic stories in there about his love for 2009 and his win those 11 years ago. And I love the fact that he wrote his song about tap dancing because he loved tap dancing. If I was writing a song at 13 years old, I mean, I'd probably be writing it about Panini football stickers. I don't know about you, Rob. Uh, probably the PS2, I reckon. Yeah.
2: Which, yeah, Which isn't, isn't as catchy a song, I imagine, All as visually appealing. Just me sat in an armchair with a controller (laughs) in my hand. Probably doesn't make for the eye-catching
3: Junior Eurovision performance that the audience want. Do you want to give us a quick uh, quick one-line rendition from your uh, PlayStation 2 song that you're going to enter into Junior Eurovision 2021? This is when the BBC
2: come back. This is the UK's return to the contest. Think of all of the build-up. Everyone's going to go, he looks a bit big for 13, doesn't he? (laughs) And I come on stage and I go... Triangle, square, circle, X. Those are the buttons you press. Hey! Wow! Check
3: you out. Uh, so we might first, need a bit of work.
2: Yeah, we've got the first five seconds of the song. Maybe we can build from
3: there. This is the Euro Trip. So that's right, you are listening to the Euro Trip. And at this point, you would usually be expecting to hear from Sam about Estonian prisons, Portuguese elephants. Uh, in the European quiz, uh, but because this is the Junior Eurovision Special, uh, we've mixed things up a little bit and we thought it would be wise to sort of give you an overview of what songs you're expected to hear at this weekend's contest. But Rob, for that, we need a little bit of help, don't we?
2: Absolutely we do. Now you're right, because me and you have no idea, really. We're Junior Eurovision novices. I don't know if I've mentioned before, but I did attend the contest in 2018 in Belarus. <laughs> James, have I mentioned it too much or just judging from your facial uh, expression the there? Bit. Yeah, You're sick of it now, are you? Just a bit. I was I was sick of it on episode one, let's be clear. <laughs> episode 17, these mint stories will not run out. But you are right. Uh, we, we thought we could do with a bit of help. We're not going to make you, dear listeners, sit through us, talk about all 12 songs individually. But we are going to talk about our standouts. We're going to talk about our favourite songs and we're going to talk about the songs we think are going to be competing for the win at Junior Eurovision 2020 with the brilliant team from Eurovision Hub. You may have seen their brilliant reaction videos or interviews over on YouTube and Louise and Michal from the team have joined us on the podcast. So hello to you both.
0: Hey. Hello.
1: Thanks for having us.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having us. What a lovely introduction. Thanks. (laughs) We do our best to make people feel welcome on the podcast, if nothing else. There's only 12 songs, of course, in the Junior Division final, which makes it, you would have thought, significantly easier to kind of sort through the songs and think about what our favourites are in the standouts. I mean, James, you already said before we press the record button that you've managed to confuse two countries already.
3: Oh, things haven't gone well. There's only 12 songs for goodness sake and somehow I managed to mix up Kazakhstan and Ukraine on my uh, top 12 ranking so clearly I was not cut out for the job. So thanks to these guys for for turning up and uh, giving us their opinions as well because you guys over on Eurovision Hub have been doing all sorts of everything. You've been doing loads of reaction videos, loads of interviews. Give us an idea of what you've been up to over the last few weeks in the run-up to junior Eurovision.
7: So we started our season back in September. We were just like We took a bit of a rest over summer, like I think a lot of us did, it was overdue. And then we would just came like back, starting with uh, a throwback series. So we looked at some countries from their debut until 2019, just to kind of refresh everyone's memory and refresh ours. And then we obviously started with um, the reactions. Our first one was Germany, um, and we did all the countries' reaction videos. And then this year we were like, you know what, we've got a bit of extra time on our hands. What situation. Um, so we were like, let's try something new. Let's do an interview series. So we um, called up the participants and we just basically hung out with them and played some games. And yeah, it was really, really nice. It's the first time we've ever done anything like that. So it was cool.
2: That's the lovely thing about the Junior acts, especially is that they are so keen just to, to get involved in everything because it's obviously so exciting for all of them. You've mentioned the reaction videos. Louise, what are some of the most memorable reaction videos that you've done? Because I think it's safe to say that some songs lend themselves to, I don't know, more of a range of emotions than others.
1: I think Spain was definitely a memorable one. I think there was a lot of anticipation toward that song coming out. There's also a certain drop in the song and I just loved seeing everybody's reaction to that. Um, The Netherlands, there was a really strong reaction. Also, I believe Ukraine, I believe really kind of split the team in terms of opinions. And I guess that's something we strive to do over at the channel is just show the diversity in opinions from people all over the place. And that's what made it really enjoyable to both create and watch, I think.
3: Uh, Louise, you mentioned both uh, Spain there and the Netherlands, both, you know, high tempo, really feel good tracks. Mihal, why do you think these couple of tracks especially have sort of got their fans into a bit of a spin? Why do you think these are two of the favourites going into the weekend?
7: Um, Because I think the year we're in, we're like really... I think I watched the news for a while ago and they said that tracks and music is getting faster. We're looking for a bit of like happiness. And I think... There aren't many of them, so we're gra- naturally gravitating towards them. And I think for that reason, they'll do better than like I don't think I don't remember a contest that had so many ballads. I joke in some of the reaction videos. I'm like, oh, the Ballad Vision Song Contest, and I'm like joking, but I'm like low key serious. I'm always like, especially the later broadcasters. I'm like, why don't you look at what's being selected and choose something different?
2: absolutely and now we've seen the running order as well we've seen that germany on their debut are going to be opening the show with a ballad france though with a much more uptempo song are going to be closing it's a really good position for france and france i know is a song that james both me and you have put in our top two louise what do you think about france's chances now especially that they've been drawn in the in the in the place that you want to be drawn which is which is going last in the final
1: I just think that in the last number of years since France's return, their trajectory has just been so good. It's been so strong. And this entry is definitely continuing on that journey that they're having of the up-tempo. There's really an element of it being an earworm, which is something that the French just do extremely well. They have always had a strong vote since they've returned, so I definitely think they're an entry to watch.
2: Spain as well, they've got a brilliant position. We've already talked about them. They're singing, I think, in 10th
3: in the final, so brilliant placing for them. Is Poland, which has been hitting the headlines a lot lately, going to be able to sweep up all the votes that people are expecting it to? What do you think?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think... You don't think so, Michal?
7: I think the noise is because it is Poland. Mm. It's not the song, guys. That song's not...
4: No. Creating.
2: The country's creating noise. If, yeah. the con- if, if the contest wasn't taking place in Warsaw, would people be as excited about Poland?
1: You no, I don't think so. And I think people would love the story of it being a, a three in a row, you know, the hat trick. And I think the Polish people are definitely invested in their entries in general. They're brilliant supporters, but... I, I don't know if it's the winning song, I do agree with you there, Michal, but I still think the Polish could cut through and clutch it. I don't know.
2: I think it's time to go around the room now and, and give our predictions for what we think is going to be the the final result and who is going to be the winner. We won't predict the last place because that's not fair. Uh, I'm going to say, because my, my heart has gone with Ukraine, which I know we mentioned before was a very... Uh, divisive song some people love it some people don't Uh, I am gonna go with I'm gonna go with Spain I don't get the hype but I understand why other people get the
3: hype so I'm I'm gonna say that Spain are are gonna win it James my heart would say France of course but my head has to overrule and I'm gonna say Belarus are gonna win on Sunday
1: my heart would definitely say the Netherlands but while I think they might into that top three. I don't think they'll win. I think it is going to come down to Spain and Poland, but I could see Poland getting it by 10 points or something really dramatic. It's 2020, you just don't know.
3: Um
7: I'm gonna say Spain. Spain with like well with a landslide. Um I watched a little bit of her rehearsal today and did you guys notice the tracks that she's wearing as well pays like a little a nod to the last Spanish winner, uh, Vivo Cantando. It's like this peel teal with the tassels, it looks exactly like the 1969 winner. So I was like, ah, I see you,
3: Soleil.
4: This is the Eurotrip.
3: When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media.
4: We're at Eurotrip Podcast, warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest.
3: Before we get back to the podcast, let me just tell you about this week's sponsor. If you're looking for support with your profile on social media, look no further than Emily's Social Media Services. Whether you need somebody to manage your Twitter account, or perhaps you want to reach more people on Instagram, or even want a brand new logo designed to stand out from the crowd, Emily's Social Media Services will be right for you. Emily is qualified in social media management and has been working in the digital marketing industry for the past three years. We've worked with Emily recently and she has really helped us with our presence online. So if you need support with your profiles online, search for Emily's social media services on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get back to the show.
5: This is the Euro Trip.
3: So thank you so much to Louise and Michal from Eurovision
2: Hub for joining us there to predict who could win Junior Eurovision 2020. As you heard there, anyone possibly. We're very willing to sit on the fence on this podcast. We, we can't possibly throw our weight behind any one particular country. But it's now time for the second part of our chat with the winner of Junior Eurovision 2009, Ralph Mackenbach from the Netherlands. James, before we hear part two, lovely
3: to be able to join you for an interview. Me and you interviewed Ralph together. The first and only time we've sat down and done an interview together wasn't it um i'm surprised we managed to get through without arguing because every time we record this it never really goes to plan so it was nice for ralph to see us on a positive note we were actually uh, we were in good spirits the, the two of us weren't we for that chat It was a little bit
2: like when a couple know they're getting a divorce, but their (laughs) friends do not know they're getting a divorce. So have to try and portray this lovely little family environment. That's exactly what we were doing in front of Ralph, wasn't it? But we did start part two by asking about that huge reaction and what it was like when he got back home after winning the contest in Kiev.
4: Uh, yeah, it was a big, th- big thing at the time because the last time we had won uh, any uh, Eurovision uh, was I think 1970-ish, something like that. Don't uh, quote me here. <laughs> so uh, there was like this, uh, this this very long period of about 40 years that nothing happened. So the first time somebody won again, of course, it's going to be a, a big news item. So I recall the people at the airport said uh, oh, there will be some people there um, who would like an autograph or something. And I remember the doors opening and there was uh, about four or five thousand people standing in an uh, airport terminal, which was quite <laughs> overwhelming when you were 14 years old and you didn't expect that to happen. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was quite a thing, and ex- especially like the, the the first month and the first year after that. Um, most of the time, a lot of time was spent just talking to press, uh, performing, etc
2: is it safe to say that it it changed your life because i was reading online earlier on that y- you had your own sort of soap opera that your your family were all in as well is that right?
4: yeah that's right um, uh, yeah uh, it, w- it was a soap opera that's uh, that's right it just they had a few camera uh, people following us around i always thought it was a little awkward i don't know i, I always felt like it, it feels like a bit of an intrusion if there's a camera on your back uh, every moment um, Uh, But it was a fun experience as well, very interesting. But yes, it it most certainly has changed my life. I learned so much from just that one experience. Um, You learn how to talk to media, because that's something, uh, that's a good skill to hone, I'd say, to present. Uh, But also um, the other side, the business side of things, and the fiscal side of things, because you're 14, 15 years old, and you're starting to make much more money than uh, your peers. Um, how do you handle that? What is the best way to, um, uh, are you gonna save your money, are you gonna invest it? Um, so, like just being thrown into that when you're uh, quite young, um, was for me a good experience and very learnful. Um, so, uh, I look back at it as something that did change my life uh, and I think for the better, of course it's always hard because I don't know how my life would have been uh, the other way around.
3: <laughs> so you come back home to the Netherlands, you've. Done the rest of school, you've got the junior Eurovision belt, then what do you do? What, what, what did you find yourself doing?
4: Uh, I always did a bit of um, uh, which best translates to um, a two-track policy. <laughs> um, so I was always busy on the one side with um, expanding career opportunities in terms of singing, uh, making music, so I've made three albums, uh, uh, lots of singles, of course, lots of performances. Um, I hosted a a radio show for a bit. Um, So I was working on that side quite uh, intensely uh, as well, but I always uh, kept my studies on the one side as well. Um, And that's just because I've always really liked learning. I've always really liked science um, and I didn't really want to give up on uh, that yet.
2: You mentioned uh, there that you've now, you've taken your route, you've chosen your route, which is, is in science. What do you hope to do in the, in the future in the field of science? Because you mentioned to, to me and James just before we started recording this interview, you're now doing a PhD in the area of, of nuclear physics, which is, is a world which is just beyond comprehension for, for mere mortals like me and James. So, so what, what are you up to? What are you up to right now?
4: um yeah so i i am in the field of uh, nuclear fusion specifically um and i i find it a fascinating field uh, for two reasons so it, it has big implications and it's challenging um and that's what attracted uh, me to it
2: do you, do you ever find yourself, which I think we've all found ourselves at some point at, at say, a, a big conference or a meeting with people who, who work in the same field as us, and you have to say a fun fact about yourself? Have you ever had to do that and said, well, actually, I won Junior Eurovision in 2009? <laughs>
4: uh, it's not something like I put on a sign everywhere saying, I, I'm the winner of Junior Eurovision. If it uh, comes up in a conversation, of course, I'll mention it. Um, But I went to karaoke night with some friends I had made uh, abroad, this was in the U.S. and they noticed that I was very good at karaoke (laughs) because I really went all out that night Uh, and um, like a few parties later it came back again like how did that happen and then I uh, went on to uh, the story and yeah it is uh, people are always very uh, surprised to hear and um, even in countries which don't compete like the U.S. they do know about it. So um, yeah, it, it always raises some eyebrows, I'd say, especially in the scientific community.
3: <laughs> so you, you've, you've chosen this new path then, but have you still got an eye on music? Do you still you you know, do you still write music? Do you still record music? How involved are you in the music scene still?
4: I'm, uh, I, I still have a very deep love for music uh, and entertainment as well. It, it's not like that's faded away or something. Um, and if I were to find myself in a position where I could maybe combine what I'm doing now, like something like scientific communication, um, I, I, I don't think I'd shy away from it. But on the music side, I've, I'm still taking piano lessons just because I want to stay active as well on that part. It has been and I think always will be a big part of my life.
3: Has it taken a back seat then, do you think? I was I was going to ask because um, Eugene, who, who represented um, the Netherlands at Junior Eurovision, and then they went on to... Eurovision itself, is that, is that on your radar is, or is that just totally, you know, is, would that just be a dream that, you know, would never happen for you?
4: I, I, I honestly wouldn't know. Um, it, it would very much depend on, uh, like, would I have a nice cool song present, which I would really uh, like to sing there. Um, also have a, the right team of people uh, surrounding me uh, to get it done. But um, as uh, the great poet Bieber once said, never say never.
2: Is it more likely that you would maybe write a song for somebody else rather than perform yourself?
4: Uh, yeah, I'd say that might be more likely, just because the odds uh, of competing uh, are always quite low. <laughs> um, and I've always been interested in music production as well, so yeah, yeah, uh, I'd say those odds are slightly higher. <laughs>
2: Will we uh, any chance we might see you in Rotterdam just as a spectator next year?
4: Uh, Christ, I do hope so. I I was planning to visit a. Um, uh, this year. Uh, but I hope uh, 2021 uh, uh, I'll be uh, sitting somewhere and maybe you'll see a, a slow pan across my face at some point.
2: I, th- I think it's more than that. I think you'd get a caption. I think you're, you're famous enough to get a caption.
4: That's what I wanted. Right? <laughs> a caption. Uh, Winner of 2009. I'll do like a little hair flick uh, for the camera. Yeah, that'd be brilliant.
3: <laughs> There's a question that I'm going to ask. We, we've asked everybody who's been on the podcast so far. Uh, you're the first junior Eurovision participant, so feel free to choose a junior Eurovision song. What is your second favorite Eurovision song of all time, your number two song?
4: Oh, Christ. Uh, that's a really good question. I think my judgment is, has got to be very, very clouded by nostalgia here. I, I really like the number two song from my year, Barcelona. Um, I don't recall the name of the girl who sang it, but yeah, you'll find it on the 2009 junior Eurovision.
1: Um,
2: album so there you are ralph machenbach from junior eurovision to the
3: world of nuclear fusion not many artists can say that can they that's quite a turnaround isn't it rob where would you think you would turn to if you'd done junior Eurovision when you were 13 14 years old what do you think you would have ended up doing instead of singing i bet you've got something up your sleeve i reckon zookeeper do you think? Yeah, I'd. I like to think I'd have been a a, a zookeeper, um, specifically maybe penguins. Y- you'd be good with a penguin. Yeah, I could see you. Uh, I could see you mothering a penguin. What at the teeth? <laughs> do penguins have teats? No, because they're a
2: bird. No, because no te- they they so- do. Penguins do that horrible thing, don't they, where they like vomit into their offspring's mouth. So no, they of course they don't have a teat. We've gone off track. We've done it again, haven't we? We've done it again. <laughs> Anyway, thank you, Ralph, for joining us. Uh, while we were listening to that, we had a little bit of a discussion off there, didn't we, about the joy that is slogans at the Junior Eurovision Song Contest, which we thought we would bring to you, dear listener, because we've decided that you could just have a random generator, couldn't you, to come up with your own slogan,
3: or if you, if I gave you ten seconds, you could definitely come up with one, can you? uh Yeah, I'll give it a go. Um... We're looking at some of the other ones. You you don't really have to top much. Reach for the top. Break the ice. Make a splash. I mean, I've not got much to aim for. So ride the rhythm. Ride the rhythm is nice. You should paint that. Someone will pay you for that. Junior Eurovision 2021 Newcastle. Ride the rhythm. (laughs) Something's gone very badly. The 2021 contest ends up being in Newcastle uh yeah. some
2: of my favorites i enjoy the fact that they just stick a hashtag on the front and they think it makes it trendy hmm. hashtag together hashtag discover uh this year of course we've got hashtag move the world last year share the joy in minsk we had hashtag light up my junior vision slogan i'm gonna go with music inside <laughs> inside what inside you james inside you and me that's Why music is so wonderful It's universal It's for everybody And that's why music inside Is the
3: perfect Junior Eurovision slogan This is the EuroTrip So we have almost reached The end of Our Junior Eurovision special Here on the EuroTrip But never fear We've still got The one second song To bring you And because it's A Junior Eurovision special We've gone all out We've picked two Not just one But two Junior Eurovision tracks For the one second song And trust me This is going to go horrendously wrong.
2: Every single week, this feature is disastrous enough. So we thought, why not add that extra level of Jeopardy and pick a junior Eurovision song each. So I have a one-second song for James. James has a one-second song for me. I also need to impart to you, by the way, Richard from Eurovision Ireland, who you heard earlier on in the podcast, he said to me after the recording when I spoke to him, can you make the one-second song a bit harder, please? I mean, it's been pretty
3: desperate until recently. It's only in the last few weeks that me and you have actually got one right. And that's only because we were being really generous to one another. I think this is the hardest game, as you often say, in podcast land. There's no way we can make it any harder, is there? I'm not going to make it any harder, at least. Apart from today, with a Junior Eurovision song. So I'm going to go first. I'm going to put you on the spot, Rob. So here is this week's first Junior Eurovision one-second song. Well, I can say that that song sounds like a lot of fun, James. I'm not going to say yes or no. I'm not going to lead you down any path here. What do you think? I'm going to say it sounds like a lot of fun. And I'm going to say that's
2: pretty much all I can (laughs) give you. I'm going to attempt to guess a year on what it sounded like. Every single aspect of the One Second Song this week will absolutely be a guess. You will have had to have picked one of about three songs for me to have confidently
3: guessed. And unfortunately, I don't think you've picked any of those. There's a point for the song to title. There's a point for the artist. There's one for the year, and a point for the currently. Rob, what are you going for? Well, let's hear it one more time, very, very quickly. So here is your one-second
2: song. Yeah, like I say, it's just a lot of fun, isn't it? I'm gonna guess, and we will gonna do this hurriedly because I know we've still got my one-second song as well. I'm gonna say that this was—it's oh, one of my favourite uh, songs performance-wise at Junior Eurovision, but I can neither remember who sung it or, indeed, the year. I think maybe it was Armenia. They sang a song about Barcelona, and I'm going to say it was in about 2013, and
3: I can't tell you who sung it. Rob, you have scored three points. No, I haven't. <laughs> You're right, you haven't at all. No way. Of course <laughs> you haven't scored three points. You scored absolutely nothing although very impressed
2: with myself that I managed to somewhere in the back of my mind remember that there was a song called Barcelona at some point
3: in junior Eurovision history. The song i decided like to choose for you, Rob, has a special place in your heart, believe it or not, because I chose your song based on your favourite country of them all, Belarus. Oh. So I went to 2003, the very first edition of the Junior Eurovision Song Contest, and chose their entry from that year which was performed by Volhar Satsiuk and the song was called Tantsoi. so
2: then that all went pretty terribly so i leave this week's one second song as expected with zero points but it's not over it's a bonus double one second song this week a one second junior eurovision song so james this is yours
3: nah you can't be given stuff like that i mean that's just a noise that's not even a song Just to remind the listeners at home, the rules for the
2: one-second song are you have to guess the song from the very first second,
3: and that is exactly what we're doing. That's just awful, though. I mean, I know we've been pretty decent on it over the past few weeks, and both of us have scored some decent points, but that is so unfair. I mean, let's have a listen to that again, because that is not a song. I mean, that just sounds like me turning the hoover on, man. Come on, Rob. I don't know what hoover you've got, but I'm interested
2: now. It's a very (laughs) musical hoover. (laughs) <laughs> go on, then. That's how you guess.
3: Come on. Okay. We're going to go for Serbia. 2007. It was performed by Magic Touch. <laughs> and the song, You Know It, the classic. Empty My Soul. That's quite a deep song title
2: for a children's singing competition, isn't it? <laughs> You're very good at coming up with these uh,
3: artist names as well. Magic Touch. <laughs> Sounds good, doesn't it? I reckon <laughs> Pete Waterman's got that filing cabinet somewhere. <laughs> it does sound good. Sounds incorrect, though, unfortunately. Will you be surprised to hear that you've got no points? Oh, I was, I was hoping for at
2: least one, but never mind. No points. my misery. Yeah, so nothing for you. But I did pick a song with a link to this podcast because this song was written by previous big guest on the Eurotrip podcast, Alex Panayi. No way. Now, you may remember him from one of our earlier episodes. Uh, The song, and this is the definition of banger, is Cyprus 2014... Sophia Patsalidis, and I'm not going to give you the Greek pronunciation, but I'm going to tell you that it translates as the most wonderful day.
3: Oh, this is good, isn't it? Isn't it? What have I been missing out on? Check this out. What year was that? Take Uh, me back there, Rob.
2: That was 2014, James. That was the contest held in Marsa in Malta. Richard Taylor earlier on was telling us about that being the first contest he attended. So he would have been there when that was ringing around the arena.
3: Oh, I'm jealous of that man. Tell you what, that is a song and a half.
2: Honestly, I'm like you. I want to be in that arena in 2014 because this song,
3: you can see why I picked it. It was a great choice. And mine as well. I must admit, mine was, uh, I was going to say good. It was very of its time, wasn't it? Yeah, 2003 was a special time in music and uh, that song exemplified that,
2: I think. But sadly, this is it. This is the end of our junior
3: Eurovision special. And it's been an absolute delight, hasn't it? been an absolute blast i hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have enjoyed making it don't forget of course how could you sunday afternoon junior eurovision song contest final it's going to look a bit different to what we expect a bit different to what we used to but it's going to be a fantastic show so make sure you tune in wherever you can it'll be fantastic to watch it will and of course next week on the podcast we will have reaction
2: to that result when it turns out that, thankfully, given that we gave pretty much every country a chance of winning the contest, one of us will have said the correct winner at some point on this episode. We'll have the reaction then to the result. And also,
3: another big guest. And it's a special big guest next week, James. It is. It's another big guest from the world of the Eurovision Song Contest. Shall I give you a clue? Yes, please. I'll give you a clue. I have once touched this person's beard wow I mean we've seen plenty of bearded Eurovision contestants over the years that could be anybody is it Conchita I'm not giving anything away you'll have to tune in next Wednesday wherever you get your podcast to find out who it is or if you want to get the scoop if you want to find out early don't forget to follow us on Twitter we are at EuroTrip Podcast every Sunday evening we announce that week's big guest so follow us on there get in touch with us on there and don't forget as well to subscribe leave us a review and rate us five stars if you can it really really does help us to do what we do every single week it absolutely
2: does so now it is time we've already mentioned it of course we hope you enjoy sunday's junior eurovision grand final good luck to all the contestants as well good luck to tvp the polish the polish broadcaster hopefully everything goes without a hitch and from
3: me i'll say goodbye and from me too i'll say goodbye at the end
2: of tonight's show we will have at eight hours later a winner of the contest that's my patronage impression. is that any good
0: yeah that was good